Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Pete Hodges and in this episode we'll look back on the ATP 500 finals in both Acapulco and Dubai, where in the United Arab Emirates this happened. This for his first ATP 500 title, the Spaniard, 29 years of age, from the far end, he serves down the middle, forehand block return, has a short ball to hit with the forehand, deep, he does, and it doesn't come back! Delight on his face, Bautista Agut is the Dubai duty-free champion. A winner of a 500 title for the first time in his career. What a week, what a conclusion by him. That difficult time in the second set when Lucas Puy led him by a break, but he fought his way back in, and how. Wonderful performance. Bautista Agut, the third seed this year, is champion, 6-3, 6-4. Meanwhile, a little later on in Mexico, Juan Martín del Potro had some business of his own to sort out. Three championship points for Juan Martín del Potro. Serve out wide, does the job! And the world number nine, Juan Martín del Potro wins his 21st title, his first 500 series crown since 2013. And he has defeated Kevin Anderson 6-4, 6-4 in an hour and 40 minutes. get to Dubai a little later but first of all Arvin Palmer and myself will focus on Acapulco as Juan Martin Del Potro won his ninth 500 series title defeating Kevin Anderson for the seventh time in a row. For you Arv, what stood out as the key factors in that final? Well a couple of things really, uh, of course uh, how well Del Potro is playing, I think uh, his general play throughout the week was excellent really, a set of very high level, the serve worked well this evening, I thought the slice backhand that we've seen all week, the variation that he's shown off that wing, you know, uh, caused uh, Anderson a few problems, you know, being pushed and pulled, being pulled forward and then wide with it and low, so that's that was really difficult for him to, to deal with. And the forehand of Del Potros, I mean, was just firing them down. A couple of running forehands right out the top draw. There were no dips in his performance either. And secondly, I think, uh, yeah, it's a little unfortunate for Anderson midway through that second set, just picking up a little bit of an injury there, that, that knee problem certainly did... Uh, Disrupt his concentration. I think he felt a little bit of pain there for a couple of games at least. And uh, well, Del Potro, once he got the lead, he just felt like he, he just wasn't going to relinquish that. Yeah, going back to that slice backhand mm. of Del Potro that you referenced there, would you go as far to say now? I mean, because he used that to near perfection against Sasha Zverev in the semi finals here in Acapulco. Would you go as far to say now as that is a weapon, the variation on the slice? Yeah, I think it's a very difficult shot to attack for opponents now because. You know, he keeps it so low, he knifes it in there, he comes to the net behind it as well. The fact that, you know, he's got such good feel on it now, he can he mixes in the, the drop shot as well. Not only can he, he nudge it long and deep, but he can also just bring you forward, drag you forward. So he doesn't really give you that rhythm that you're looking for. You know, he uses his, his topspin, his flatter backhand more sparingly now. So when he fires that in for a little bit more variation, sometimes that can take you by surprise and he uses it on the passing shot as well. And, it, and it's effective and he, he did that very well this evening against Anderson. And as you, as you referenced a little earlier on about Anderson with that knee injury, I'm sure we'll find out a little later just, just how bad it is. Do you think 
Perhaps with that injury, though, that maybe fatigue and the, the, the fact that he's played a lot of matches already this year. This was his third final of the year. Did that have a factor? He was looking to win his ninth match in a row. Uh, I think he, he looked relatively fresh, considering everything. I think all the matches he had won and some tough ones as well. Look, one final push this evening. He'd have a few days off before he'd start his campaign in Indian Wells. So a real shame for him. He, look, he looked pretty good. But when you pick up a, you know, an an injury like that uh, and uh, it was quite an awkward sort of slip wasn't he hyper extended the knee and it was only a couple of points after he'd uh, slipped he realized actually it's quite sore he, he, he tried to to get it taped but you do wonder you know at that stage what can a physio do for you took a couple of anti-inflammatories perhaps just to keep the swelling down he'll 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 know more about the injury tomorrow i think once he's had a, a night's sleep and see if anything flares up but a real shame for him if if it causes him issues going forward because he's in in great form now he's kind of you almost feel like now he's he's picked up from where he left off uh, back in 2017 after making the final of the US Open. Yeah, and you have to say his attitude was still very good towards the end of the match in terms of, you know, what he was showing Del Potter. He may well have been in pain, but he wasn't showing it in terms of, you know, the come-ons we saw, the, the, the fist clenches as well. And, and from a psychological point of view, you can credit Del Potro too in terms of it. It's not always easy, is it, to finish a match off against a slightly injured opponent. Yeah, so experienced is Del Potro, but even things like that can throw you, throw you a bit. And I, I have to agree with you, Pete. I thought... Uh, Kevin Anderson dealt with the situation the best he could, even if he was feeling discomfort, even if heart of hearts he knew he was out of the match, out of the final, he still kept uh, plugging away. He still asked Del Potro that final question of, right, OK, I've done all I can. You've got to serve out for this one. I'm not going give to you, give you this one. But Del Potro kept his focus because it, 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 easy, it is easy excuse me, to get lulled into that kind of, right, I've just got to make balls now. My opponent's struggling. Let's move him around wasn't the case with Del Potro, just kept on powering through, just kept on making those first serves and backing them, backing them up with good forehands. And, and looking ahead to Indian Wells, with these two players, as in with Anderson and Del Potro, if Anderson is fit and that knee injury isn't an issue, with all the other injuries we've got going on with all the other players, do you make these two players almost towards favourites for that tournament with what we've seen here in Acapulco? I think one of a few, yeah. I, look, clear favourite is going to be Federer, I think, uh, the way, you know, he's going to be, how good he's going to be feeling coming into Indian Wells, uh, obviously with a lot of the other guys still out, you know, you have to put him at the top of the tree, but you know, just, there's just a whole group of players, you know, below that, the second pack, that any other, one of those guys can, can come out and perhaps make the final, so I think... Uh, if Anderson's fit and healthy, no one really likes playing him. He's very awkward, especially in those conditions as well. I mean, it's a, it's a very slow surface, but it's almost like altitude-like conditions because the ball just zips through the air so quickly. So with, with his serve and, you know, he, you know, that transition from the baseline to the net is getting better and better from him, how aggressively he, he looks to return. He's tough to deal with, you know, when he's, when he's fit and healthy and he's feeling good like he is right now. Okay. We'll find out more fitness-wise. And with Del Potro, yeah, he's right up there. You know, he's going to be feeling great also. And, and players fear playing him because he can just, at times, take the, the racket out of your hand once he gets hold, hold of four hands and he starts firing down that serve. And, you know, he's won so many big titles over the year. He, you know, he's missed so much of his long career that he looks fresh. And 2018, he's, he's really getting going now. Yeah, and it's the first time really in a, in a long while where we've been able to see month after month 
Del Potra going deep in tournaments. Of course, the back end of last year won Stockholm, runner-up at Basel, semi-finalist of both the US Open and Shanghai, and now winning here in Acapulco. You just wonder where the story will go next for Juan Martin Del Potra. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. There are also some other stories from this week, and one of the big ones, of course, was Rafael Nadal, who uh, started the tournament in the draw, but then actually had to withdraw due to injury. And uh, the subsequent announcement that he won't be taking part in the Masters event in Indian Wells and Miami. Yeah, tough one, of course. Uh, yeah, yesterday in the last practice, I felt something uh, practicing with Adriano, with Manarino, and uh, yes, I went to the hospital this morning to check it to do it an MRI and uh, yeah I still have some some liquid there so uh, I need to keep doing tests to to know exactly what's going on no, the the spot is really similar to to Australia so we need to to be sure uh, about what's going on the next couple of days and then we're going to work hard to try to recover as soon as possible no for me it's in it's impossible today now to to say something uh, realistic i hope the test will be as positive as possible and and then let's see yes slightly worrying times for nadal what do you make of all of that after yeah i mean frustrating for him i thought he'd be uh, ready to go he looks as if he was just uh, what a day away from from being ready and and uh, that that reoccurring hip injury back uh, yeah really frustrating for him having to to miss Indian Wells and Miami now. Obviously, on the hard courts, he's talked about how how brutal you know the hard courts are on his, on his body, and and giving them a, a miss this year, and and uh, getting ready for the clay now. I guess now just around the corner, and that's where you know he seems to mop up, and that's where he wants to play his best tennis. Um, a little easier on his body as well, but I think uh, in general for his fans and, uh, and for tennis in general, real real sad not to see him. I mean, I mean, he's had a lot of knee injuries. Mm. Is, is a hip a more worrying injury? I mean, where, where do you put it in the context uh, of, of, of body injuries, so to speak? Equally as bad, isn't it, really? I think uh, your knee's not great. We've seen that over, over years with him, in and out with the knee and head control. You know, your legs are everything. It's movements, everything. But I'm, I'm not a, a, entirely 100% surprised, really, because, you know, look at the way he moves. So physical, you know, so much G-force going through his, his body into the corners, out of the corners, you know, your legs take a pounding. All these players' legs take a pounding, you know, so backs, elbows, any sort of joint-related injury um, and hips being one of them, you know, it, it's not good news. Hopefully he can recover. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's you're kind of hoping all of the big four, of course, Murray out, Djokovic has had injury issues as well, Vavrinka too, but uh, kind of wanting them all just to get as fit as possible when they can uh, this, this season because you want them all fit. You want all the big guys firing. Yeah, I mean... You know, they are incredible when they're on top form and, and when they play each other and they're all playing their best tennis. It's so entertaining to watch. And we've just been, I guess, uh, a little spoiled over the years with that. Got so used to uh, kind of watching them play latter stages of events, you know, semi-finals. You could kind of write them down at the start of the week when they're in the draws. But a little bit different. Gives uh, other players opportunities to get through. We've seen different winners at 500 levels last year uh, and probably... Um, more going forward as well. So it's exciting getting the young guys involved as well. And hopefully we will have a cracking final here in just a few moments' time. But hopefully you were with us a little earlier as well, where we had the Dubai duty-free tennis championships, where Roberto Bautista Agut took on Luca Pui. We'll get the views of match commentators Barry Milnes and Barry Cowan shortly. But first, let's hear how Bautista Agut managed to clinch his second title of the year. 
Serves the forehand, reply to the forehand of Bautista Agut. To the backhand this time by the Frenchman, who hits another good, strong forehand, but it comes back to his forehand. He's hit that one with more angle. He's got a space to exploit one way or the other, goes back to the backhand wing, is then forced on the backhand side himself. Flatter hit from the Spaniard, slice from Puy. Cross-court forehand from Bautista Agut, cross-court back from Puy. The same from the Spaniard again and from the Frenchman. Then up the line from Bautista Agut. The floating ball, Bautista Agut runs around, hits a deep forehand. The defensive forehand from Puy into the backhand corner but Bautista Agut gets it into the backhand wing and then cleans up with his final shot into the corner to bring up championship points. This for his first ATP 500 title, the Spaniard, 29 years of age, from the far end, he serves down the middle, forehand block return, has a short ball to hit with the forehand, deep, he does and it doesn't come back! Delight on his face, Bautista Agut is the Dubai duty-free champion. A winner of a 500 title for the first time in his career. What a week, what a conclusion by him. That difficult time in the second set when Lucas Puy led him by a break, but he fought his way back in, and how. Wonderful performance. Bautista Agut, the third seed this year, is champion. 6-3, 6-4. Well, Roberto, many congratulations. You're an ATP 500 champion. How's that sound? Well, it sounds very good, no? I think uh, I did a great job this week and it was uh, a very good match in the final, uh, beating Luca. He's a very good player, he's playing very good and I did a very good match. You found yourself a breakdown in that second set. What was the mental process to pull it around? Well, uh, I had uh, breakpoints in the first game, breakpoints in the second game. I couldn't make them and, and then uh, he got the break, no? Uh, I was... Uh, I was still focused, I was uh, uh, thinking good and trying to, to come back in the score and I, and I played very good tennis uh, to come back and, and make the three all. And after you claimed that match, a lot of emotion let out there at the end. Yes, a lot of emotions, no? a lot of work behind that and it was a tough month last month and well, I'm happy. Eh? I won two titles this year and, uh, and this is uh, very special for me. And in a way, the perfect preparation for Indian Wells. Well, of course, no. It's, uh, there is no better preparation than winning matches and, well, I have time to, to arrive well, to get some rest and try to, to play a very, very good tournament there. So an excellent week's work by Roberto Bautista Agut, claiming yet another title, but the first at this level for him, Barry, and uh, really came out strongly. He had a clear game plan right at the start against Puy. Yeah, he was uh, relentless, wasn't he, from ball one. He came out really took it to his opponent who was looking to win not only win a big title but looking to get into the world's top 10 for the first time and, and i felt that reflected certainly from the early exchanges where bautista Agut was really aggressive luca pui i felt was either a little bit too reckless or a little bit too passive and so when you play your best tennis is when you have that middle ground of playing aggressive but playing the percentage he played much better in the second set but he was playing catch-up, and it's often very difficult to play catch-up. So although he didn't uh, win the title and, and by so doing become a member of the top ten for the first time, that was also on the line for him. Do you see that he will eventually get there? Yeah, I think so, because as long as you have the right mentality, and he clearly does, sometimes the first time you, you're looking to achieve something, we, we talked about it, I know can't put it in necessarily the same context of a player when he's looking to win his first Grand Slam, but sometimes you have to experience that first to then be able to come out the next time and handle it a little bit better. And, and I would certainly put Luca Pui in that category. I think he will be better for it, uh, and it might just edge him a little closer to being semi-finals of a Grand Slam or a final, which is ultimately where he wants to be.
But for the champion, Bautista Agut, this is uh, a week when he's got himself back inside the top 20. And he's now got himself a second title of the season to go with the one he got in Auckland. And this, of course, is at an even greater level, a 500 event. So going now into the first Masters 1000 of the year, Indian Wells and Miami beyond, do you see him having a very strong 2018? Why not? Uh, and a player, although he's a Spaniard, likes to play on quicker hard courts. His results in the past have suggested that final in Shanghai a few years ago. Quick courts here in Dubai look comfortable. Uh, and, he, and Bautista Agud has, Barry, as good an opportunity to be a top 10 player or make a semi-finals or final of Indy Wells and Miami as so many of the other players. It is wide open. Nadal, as we know, is not there. Vavrinka has pulled out of Indian Wells and Miami. So if you play your best tennis, why not? And just a couple of other names to, to mention who obviously came through a long way, took their opportunities to the semi-final stage. Malik Jaziri, I mean, the first um, Arabic player to come through, the Tunisian uh, since uh, 2002, I think it was, to the semi-finals. 34 years of age, but now doing that. So uh, he was fun to watch for the week. A wonderful story, because at the beginning of the week, he had a terrible draw. I mean, he would have thought, top seed Dimitrov, but having lost all 10 matches against players members of the world's top 10, but he finally was able to get that big victory and didn't look back. And the reason he did played so well, even yesterday where he put up a fighting spirit, especially in that second set, was the free-flowing, aggressive tennis. It just wasn't to be, but as he said, he's playing his best tennis of his career. And, and at 34 years of age, that used to be the, the end of your career. Now it's very much, you can be at your peak at that age. And great to see that somebody who sort of made us all sit up and take note in the last Masters event in Paris last year, Filip Krajinovic, who finished runner-up there to Jack Sock, uh, got to the semi-finals here in Dubai. Yeah, and, and I think for Krajinovic, just be happy that he's back playing because he wasn't able to play Sydney, wasn't able to play Australian Open with the injuries, and there was doubts actually how long he was going to be away from tour. So he's now playing, and he's playing well, and, and showing similar form that he showed at the back end of that year. He won so many matches, albeit in the Challenger circuit last year in 2017, five titles. But his ranking now, he will be in main draw of every tournament. Opportunity knocks and, and a player that, 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 why not? Can't he be at the end of the year of top 30 again? So it's a tournament here in Dubai that may not have had uh, some of the biggest names in the game as it has in many previous years for various reasons, but still, it was a week to remember. So our thanks to Barry Cowan and Barry Milnes who are giving us that insight into the Dubai duty-free tennis championships. But we are here in Acapulco for the Abierto Mexicano Telcal presented by HSBC. And this is a tournament that's been going since 1993 and it's got a fair amount of history. And uh, we were fortunate enough to talk to the tournament director, Raul Zuratuza, a little earlier on. I think we, we spend in the in the boundary of one million dollars to move all these pieces that make us a little bit like a room, like a puzzle. You know, like we move court three and four, we push them far to the parking lot. We move the press room. We had a new television compound. We added 1,500 seats to the main stadium, so we have 9,000 and something. I think those improvements are well deserved for this tournament. That sold all the tickets within two months when we announced the, the player field in, in October. Things uh, one, for example, is the first time we got at number one in the world was, was in 
1996, when Thomas Nusser won his fourth title. When the ATP board suggested, you know, you, you, you should be moved to, to hard courts, I was the first to say, where do I sign? But I remember a couple of very top-ranked ATP staff members trying to convince Alejandro that this was a, a very good move and he supported it and at the end I think uh, the result is there and we have uh, extraordinarily good players, very, very nice, very, you know, very competitive with a great field. Hard courts, without any doubt, was the, the big change and uh, it has given us the opportunity to, to, to receive another players from other parts of the country and uh, from, the, from the world. And I think uh, there is no doubt that being behind Indian Wells helps a lot. And uh, I only wish Acapulco had more flights to, to LA, uh, they will help us a lot. It was a fantastic uh, experience for everyone. And uh, I felt that uh, Novak had a very good chance of what the Mexican hospitality is and how the Mexican fans uh, are with tennis. When I picked him up at the airport, he said to me, do you think people will come and watch me playing tennis? Because it's Monday. I said, you have to wait for you to your practice. And that Sunday, he went on to practice and we had 4,000 and something people watching practice him. Rafa first and then him. It was great. We are working together with a company named Locos por el Arte, which they do things with art and sport. So we have these, you have seen inside the big tennis balls, there are sculptures with 50 different artists celebrating 25 years. I think the, you know, the, be the best celebration is tennis, tennis itself. Uh, people are asking, you know, like, what else you're going to do? What's on the side? And for me, it's the tennis itself. If you are really looking forward to have a great, great sports event, this is the place this week. We have a very stable, very frank tournament, very nice. 25 years, it's, it's a lot of years. But when you, when you look back, it's always a matter of pride, for all of the team and what we have done. And I'm very happy to say that we are celebrating the first 25 years of the Mexican Open. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. That is it from Acapulco, but be sure to join us from Thursday when our coverage of the BMP Paribas Open in Indian Wells gets underway. We'll bring you ball-by-ball ball commentary throughout the day. And there's a number of ways to listen on the ATP website. Just click on the listen button, nice and simple that, at the top of the homepage. We're also available on the TuneIn Radio website and app, the Tennis TV website and app. And we're also on the Indian Wells website, which is bmpparibasopen.com. And then click on the watch and listen tab. I've been Pete Hodges, my thanks to Arvin Palmer. And we'll leave you with the highlights of the final. Well, number eight kicks this one into the body with the second serve. And Dunkwatch has to improvise, can only sort of plod the ball back. And then an emphatic and quite incredible 
forehand on the run from the Argentine. Well, sensation. Did not see that one coming at all. Looked uh, in terrible trouble in the forehand corner there and just hit his way out of a problem there. Well, Anderson can't be too uh, disheartened by that. That was just way too good. The second serve. And goes down the tee again. Can return up the middle of the court from Del Potro. Now a big forehand into the corner from Anderson, who's up the court again. Now he's at the net, and he's just picked up the volley. It's clipped the top of the net. Del Potro able to get there. Then they're exchanging out the net. It's crazy at the net, and eventually Del Potro just hits through Anderson, and he finally can't do a thing about it. Del Potro then apologising to his opponent because he almost hit his body, but it's Del Potro's point in his 40-30. Anderson goes deep with the forehand, slice backhand, good deep slice approach from Anderson, but it's a brilliant backhand from Del Potro, he's now up the court and passes Anderson easily with a forehand and it will be a break point to the Argentine. Anderson kicks it out wide, good deep return though from Del Potro, now a forehand from Del Potro, slightly short to the forehand side of Anderson, both exchanging down the middle of the court and then Anderson times the backhand very late, sprays it wide and it is Juan Martin Del Potro who breaks first in this final and he leads by four games to three. Juice then, serves out wide, good serve, it's an excellent return from Anderson, gets Del Potro on the back foot and then a good deep forehand from Anderson, now Anderson rolls a backhand to the backhand side of Del Potro. Del Potro now slices, just floats one right onto the baseline. Another slice backhand from Del Potro, looks to do the same thing, does the same thing, finds the baseline twice in a row. Now goes shorter with that slice backhand. Now cross-court forehand from Del Potro, gets Anderson on the run, and Del Potro now able to step in and fires a forehand into the corner. And it is the Argentine who moves up to advantage in this eighth game of the first set. Anyway, Del Potro serving for the first set here, up 5-4. Good return, though, from Anderson. It was a wide serve from Del Potro. Now slice backhand, and Anderson again able to move around. Hit inside out, forehand. It's Anderson who's on top of this rally. Again, he goes inside out with the forehand. And then which way is he going to go now? Again, goes inside out again with the forehand. Del Potro just slicing the ball back. Another inside out. That's an excellent angle, though, from Anderson. Now he'll step up the court and surely go inside in, and he does. And it's a winner, and it's another come on from Kevin Anderson as he takes the first point of this 10th game. Big rally here. And it's uh, Del Potro's on top of it at 30 all in this first game of the second set. But what a running forehand angled shot that is from the South African. And he moves up 40-30. Well, meters behind the, the baseline. Good second serve though from Anderson, but Del Potro well inside the baseline. And now he's got a big forehand to swing at. Just uh, goes conservative down the middle of the court. Now it's a slice back and again down the middle of the court, inside in forehand from Anderson. He's now going to move himself around the court. Seems to be moving okay, but can't get anywhere near that forehand from Del Potro as the Argentine breaks first in the second set and moves up by two games to one. Into a backcourt duel at the moment. It's Del Potro is just about dictating it, but Anderson's turned the rally on his head and he's now come forward, but didn't do enough with the approach. And it's Del Potro who fires a blistering backhand past him to move to 40-30. Three championship points for Juan Martin Del Potro. Serve out wide, does the job. And the world number nine, Juan Martin Del Potro, wins his 21st title, his first 500 series crown since 2013. And he has defeated Kevin Anderson 6-4, 6-4 in an hour and 40 minutes.